I love that people laugh at the beginning of that video. He's talking about something really serious, but you got a hair thing going on there well, that's just yeah, kind of hard was, to over, overlook. I, I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, you did the best I, with what you could. You yeah, did fine. I didn't know what to do. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> hey, welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting uh, throughout the Twin Cities today. So glad you made it to church on just a rainy, cold May Day. I think it's still May, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, glad you made it out today. I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online as a part of our congregation. We really do know that you're out there wherever you might be uh, today around the nation and world. We just uh, welcome you online as well. And Jason, great to be on stage with you today. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, yeah, a little weird. A little strange. Yeah, we've never done it before. A little weird, but fun. Uh, today is uh, an unusual... You can clap. Go ahead. I know some of you want to. I don't know why. But... <laughs> Some of you are like, should we clap or not? So let's just break the ice. Uh, but today is kind of an exciting day because I get to share the stage with one of the best teaching pastors in the nation, Jason Strand, and he gets to share it with me, which is a highlight, I'm sure, for you. But, you know, what we thought we'd do today before people get into your summer routines is just give you a glimpse of what we think is ahead for our church. And it's very exciting, and uh, I think you can anticipate a fantastic summer, fantastic fall, but then uh, beyond that. But before we do that, I want to make a couple personal comments about you, Jason. I hope that's okay <laughs> if I do that for you. Um, I don't think I have a choice, so go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but what I said about you being one of the best teaching uh, pastors in the nation is really true. Uh, we listen to a lot of speakers, both of us do, hundreds throughout the year. And I can tell you as a church that on any given weekend, uh, we are blessed by receiving some of the best teaching, really, in the nation and world. And what I love about you is that you're not arrogant about it. Thank you. There are some speakers, some unfortunate, yeah, go ahead. Thank you. That's not always the case with certain speakers, but uh, you're humble. Uh, you're devoted to doing your very best under the leading of God's spirit. And I just, I just want to thank you, yeah, thank you for Bob. giving it your very best every time uh, you come on this stage. And on a more personal note, uh, you really are one of my very best friends. Yeah. And Good I don't price. have many friends. <laughs> so that's a plus in my column. <laughs> but really, you truly are. I love what Paul... The Apostle Paul said to young Timothy, Timothy was kind of a protege of Paul and Paul was mentoring him. Uh, in the book of Philippians, he wrote this letter and he said to Timothy, Timothy, I thank God every time I think of you because of our partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I love that word partnership because when you came uh, to our church 12 years ago, uh, I was alone. I felt alone. I wasn't alone, but I felt alone. It can be very lonely leading. And this has been a partnership that I just cherish and I thank God for. I mean, you know nothing about hunting and fishing. No, I do not. Uh, your, car, <laughs> your car is a disaster. This is, but this is true, too. In spite of those huge deficits, <laughs> I really do thank God yeah. that you're in my life every single day. Thank you so much, Bob. Uh, you know, I just I was sharing last night with uh, the church that um, a few months ago I was at breakfast in White Bear Lake and was having breakfast with a couple staff members and this guy came and sat down next to us and, and as I was leaving he kind of called me over. He goes, young man, come on over here. And uh, he said, are you speaking this weekend? And I said, no, Bo uh, Bob's speaking this weekend. And he goes, oh, thank God. <laughs> 
And, and then he goes, he gave the sign of the cross just to kind of double down on the whole thing. He was very grateful. And, you know, under normal circumstances, I think I would feel like a little offended by that or why did you say that? But I thought about it afterwards and I thought, you know, I love it when Bob speaks. You know, Bob, you gave a message a couple weeks ago on how Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And I went home and told my wife, I said, I am so thankful that our kids got to hear that message. I am so thankful that he's our pastor willing to speak truth about a topic that can be kind of controversial in our world today. And a few while back, I remember someone on staff said to me, you know, they asked me this question, who are you close to on staff? And I have quite a few people on staff that I feel, you know, relatively close to, but I said, you know, this will maybe surprise you, but Bob and I are extremely close. I know he's my boss, and I have that respect for him in that way, but, but it truly is a, a great friend and uh, have had a front row seat to what I believe is one of the best leaders and teachers uh, in America. And uh, I think our church is, yeah, yeah. let's clap yeah. loud for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we, we, enough of that, by the way. Yeah, right? move on, come on. Uh, we want to give you a glimpse of what's ahead for the future. And the way we're going to do this is I'm going to take a brief look at the past 25 years or so, just really brief. And then about six months ago, I asked Jason, just kind of as a, an experiment, to put together a vision statement, just to try, try to flex those muscles a little bit, and uh, what our future could look like, what you would think about our future. And what Jason wrote was so inspiring. And then he spoke it to a few of us, and I said, you got you to speak that to the church. And so here we are today, and I want to tee this up by telling you a little story, give you a little insight into who we are here. Uh, every spring, uh, Jason and I get a couple other guys, Don Grafman and John Alexander, together, and we go off to a cabin for two days, and we plan our message topics for the entire year. We just did that a couple weeks ago. Fantastic time. We ask God's Spirit to lead us, and then we go to work, and we plan the entire year of message topics uh, uh, coming ahead. So during those two days, we also eat together, laugh together, have a great time, and we take walks just to kind of clear our heads along the St. Croix River Valley. And a few years ago, we were on this walk that we've taken many, many times. And suddenly, Don Grafham sees this bird, and he says, look, a red bird. And you, Jason, got all excited and said, that's a scarlet tanager. <laughs> I said, a what? <laughs> and he said, it's a scarlet tanager. It's only the second one I've ever seen in my life. They live high up in the trees. You almost never see them. It's one of the nerdiest things I've ever heard anybody <laughs> say in my life. And then, he, then you said, Bob, you're 57. You'll never see another one. <laughs> and you have seen one I since that time. I have seen one since then. Yes. I have. Uh, but then you pointed at another bird, and you said, that's a warbler. Uh, it's a something or other warbler. There's many types of warblers. And you went on about warblers for about five minutes. And I thought, this is the Cliff Clavin of, of birds. There's just the funniest uh, You know, scenario. in my defense, in my defense, when I was five there's years no old. Yeah, there's no defense. But I'm going to try. When I was five years old, I had this book about birds. And I was really into birds. And I would read about all these different kinds of birds. I have not looked at that book since I was about five or six years old. I haven't gone bird watching or anything, but it's like it's just etched in my memory. So I was on a walk with my wife just last week, and I stopped dead in my tracks, and I said, Sarah, that's a red-breasted grosbeak. And, and I had to bring her back to see this bird. I'm like, where did that come from? I don't know. So I hunt. He's a birder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, no. 
Uh, but the point is, when you said, Bob, you're 57, and I'm now 62, and I'm, gr I'm great with my age, by the Good. way. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the subtle message there is I have more past than you do, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about our past, because I think I'm more of an expert on that than maybe you are. <laughs> and then you're going to talk a little bit about the future. But back in 1991, 28 years ago, is when I came to White Bear Lake out of Penn State University, and we were 350 people. I thought that was an enormous church. 350 people, one campus. Now today, 28 years later, we're a church of eight campuses, 24,000 people, 10th uh, largest in the nation according to Outreach Magazine. This Christmas, past Christmas, 59,880 people came to our church. And what's strange about this is I never saw it coming. Wasn't, you know, wasn't trained for it, didn't plan for it, didn't even really want it. And about 10 years into this, and I've, I've mentioned this before, Jason, you know about this, into leading this church, I became so overwhelmed by it all, so stressed, I couldn't sleep at night. I'd wake up at midnight and just laid awake for three, four hours, a high anxiety, high stress. I finally uh, just fully surrendered to God, and I thought I had done that, but I guess I hadn't, and in prayer, laying in bed one night, I said, God, I'm miserable, and I just, I'm surrendering my life to you fully. Do what you want to do with my life, but please, in exchange, you gotta give me peace, and that was a turning point, and God began to give me, I haven't had total peace about all of this that's happened over the past 28 years, but that was a turning point, so we started with 350 people. 10 years later, in 2001, we were a church of 5,000 people doing seven services at the White Bear campus, completely out of space. And so a few of us decided to uh, basically risk our careers. And we bought 80 acres here in Lionel Lakes, took out a $30 million loan. And by the way, we'll never do that again. <laughs> And we built our second campus here in Lionel Lakes, and we have a photograph of that. Shortly after that, I got a call from a dying church in Spring Lake Park, and they said, will you help us? And so, yes, we'll help you out. They had 80 people at the time. The day we opened up or reopened that church, 1,200 people came and overwhelmed that campus. I mean, the police showed up and there was traffic problems. <laughs> Eventually, Spring Lake Park became so uh, overcrowded that we built the Blaine campus, just to kind of offload that. And in three years, this Blaine campus went from zero to 3,000. In three years, it's unheard of in the nation today. But during this time, I just had this ache in my heart for Woodbury, because Woodbury was exploding in growth, and there's just a whole bunch of sinners over in Woodbury, as we all know. <laughs> so... Uh, we're all sinners, but, you know, <laughs> anyway. So in 2011, we opened our fifth campus at East Ridge High School. And for three years, we averaged about 1,600 people. And then in 2014, we built our Woodbury campus. And this past Easter, 11,600 people came to Easter at Woodbury, and 548 people put their faith in Christ. That's incredible. It's unheard of. Then, because Blaine became overcrowded, we started campus number six in the Coon Rapids High School. And that was a tough deal. Uh, for three years, we were in that high school. We averaged about 950 people. We actually had ongoing conversations. Is this going to work or not? Yeah. We were worried about it, uh, you know, making it. 
Finally, in 2017, we remodeled a Kmart. And, and we opened the Anoka campus. And this past Easter, 8,800 people came to the Anoka campus. Best thing that's ever happened to a Kmart, <laughs> ever. Uh, came to nine services at Anoka. And something's happening over there in Anoka at that campus. It's just, it's a, it's a God-led deal that we can't explain. Then we opened campus number seven in Wyzetta High School uh, last year, and that's your high school, Jason. Mm -hmm. uh, and after just one year this Easter, 2,600 people came to the Wyzetta campus for Easter services. And again, just a phenomenal thing. And when you hear this history, what goes through your, what goes through your mind? Well, so grateful. I mean, you just see what God's done. There's no other explanation for that apart from God. You know, no, no human person could have done that. No human ingenuity or wisdom could have figured that out. Uh, that's just a work of God, and it's grateful to be a part of it. Yeah, and, and so, just continuing, and I'll end up here real quick. You know, I had a vision, at least I think it was a vision, that God gave me about 10 years ago to put a campus within a 20-minute drive of everybody in the Twin Cities, and, and we haven't lost that, that passion, that vision. And so now at the opening of Lakeville, just a couple weeks before Easter, 1,200 people showed up at Lakeville. And your campus, number eight, and we celebrated that, but that really completes that 10-year vision of putting a campus around the Twin Cities within a 20-minute drive of everyone. And what I can tell all of you is that every single part of this has been hard. It's difficult. I mean, we, we labor over this. It's not easy to raise money. None of us like raising money. It's not easy to, to find great staff and you know, keep them uh, on track and energized, to build campuses and to produce weekend services that people can actually invite their family and friends to. But I gotta tell you, when I see what's happened over the past 28 years, I'm just so grateful like you, Jason, mm -hmm. and it has to be God. Mm -hmm. And there is no question that God is going to continue what he has started. I believe that to the core of my being. And I just want to flip it over to Jason because he's going to talk a little bit about, about this vision that I believe God gave you. When I heard this, you know, experimental kind of thing that it kind of gave you, I said, that's from God. Mm -hmm. And so I just want all of you to hear this and so dive in. Yeah, thanks, Rob, for letting me share it. Uh, you know, people ask me all the time, usually other church pastors, they'll say, you know, how come Eagle Brook has grown the way it has? And, and as Bob and I have alluded to, I, I'll give them two answers. My first answer is, it's God. I just have no, I know it's not like, the, like, they don't seem satisfied with that answer, but I'll just say I have no explanation for it. Bob's not that smart. Uh, I'm even less so. Our staff isn't that smart. There's no way we could have done this on our own. It's just God decided. And that's really the only explanation I have for it. But then the second thing I will say is that Bob is a remarkable man. His integrity, his passion and heart for people is unlike anything I've ever seen. And one of the things that Bob has done so well, and I want to thank you for this, Bob, is that he has kept our church on mission. I've been about a part of other churches where it's like, well, we're going to be a part doing this, and now we're doing this, and now we're doing that. And, and the mission starts to get lost in all of that. And one of the things that Bob has done so well is he's never wavered. Our mission is to reach people for Christ, and that is never going to change. Our nine core beliefs that our church is based on, beliefs like the Bible is the inspired word of God and Jesus is the way to salvation, those things are never gonna change. So what we're talking about today is not our mission, it's not our core beliefs, it really is what's next for our church. Because as Bob mentioned, when we uh, opened the Lakeville campus, now if you are 
anywhere in the Twin Cities. We've actually charted this out. You are about 20 minutes from an Eagle Brook campus. And so Bob and myself and our leadership team and our church board began to ask the question, God, what's next for our church? And we really felt like God gave us two pictures, and the first one is a verse from the Bible. And we've got it here, it's Acts 1-8, it says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So Jesus is speaking these words in Acts chapter one, he's talking to his disciples, and Jesus is just about to ascend back to heaven. And these are his final instructions to his disciples. He says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As we looked at that verse, the picture we started to get was three concentric circles. The center circle is Jerusalem. That was the city in which Jesus was speaking those words to his disciples. The equivalent for us would be the Twin Cities. That's our Jerusalem, would be the Twin Cities. It's what we've been trying to do for the last 10 years of putting a campus within 20 minutes of everyone. But Jesus doesn't stop with Jerusalem. He also says throughout Judea and in Samaria. And what was Judea and Samaria? It was the region in which they lived. The equivalent for us would be like the state of Minnesota or the Midwest region. That would be our Judea and Samaria. And then he adds to the ends of the earth. And as we looked at this verse, we began to believe that this could contain an outline for what God is calling our church to in the next season of our existence. He says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, friends, that's happening. We baptized almost 2,000 people last year. We saw over 5,000 people come to faith in Christ. That doesn't happen apart from the Holy Spirit. The only way to explain something like that is the Holy Spirit has empowered us. And so we begin to ask this question, what is next? And we believe that God is calling us not just to Jerusalem and the Twin Cities, but that God is calling us to Judea and Samaria as well, which is the Midwest region. Now why? Why would we want to do that? Well, this is the second picture that we sense God giving us. And don't judge, but this wasn't from the Bible. This was from the movie The Patriot. I know you love that movie. Love it. You had a whole spiritual analogy one day at the lunch table, and I was like, I just like it when he gets the hatchet and just goes on the people, and you had this aim, deep... Aim small, shoot yeah, small. Yeah, you had this baby. deep spiritual thing from it. It was great. But, <laughs> but if you haven't seen the movie The Patriot, it's a revolutionary war movie, and Mel Gibson plays the main character. And there's this scene at the end of the movie where the British are lined up against the Americans, and all throughout the war, when the militia which was the non-paid, non-professional soldiers, when they would get attacked by the British, their line would break. They would just retreat. And so the British know this, and so they put all of their energy and effort right at the militia's line. And as all throughout the war, the line breaks. And the militia starts to retreat, they start to run, and there's this scene at the end of the movie where Mel Gibson's character grabs the American flag and he starts running towards the front line. And he's running past all the militia who are retreating, and he yells out these three words. He says, hold the line. Hold the line. I was in a seminar recently that talked about nuns, not N-U-N. That would have been an interesting seminar as well. But this was about nuns as in N-O-N-E-S. These are people, when you ask them, what's your religious affiliation, they just check the box that says none. 
And this is the fastest growing religious group in America today. Year 2000, there was about 8% of people who checked the box none. Today, there's about 20%, which still isn't that much, is it? They always emphasize the negative. They do. They always think you feel like you know, no one believes in God anymore. But that's still only 20%. But as they were talking about this, the interesting thing about the nuns is they're not atheists. They're not hardcore against God. They just don't really care about God. They just care about their boyfriend, their girlfriend, what they're doing that weekend, their you know, spouse, their kids, their entertainment. They just don't really care about God. And I kind of grew up a nun, and so I can think a little bit like they tend to think. But in this seminar, the presenter showed this map. And I'm gonna have to explain this to you a little bit, but the darker you see, the higher percentage of nuns live in that state. So the darker ones have more nuns, the lighter states have fewer people who checked the box, none. Now, what do you notice from this? When I was in the seminar, what I felt and noticed was there's a high percentage of nuns in the Northeast. Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont. There's a high percentage of nuns in Washington and Oregon in the Northwest. And then where do we live? We live right here in the middle. And I had this picture that there's a line moving from the west, there's a line moving from the east, and somebody needs to say, hold the line. Some church, some group of people needs to grab the flag of Jesus Christ, run to the front line and say, we gotta hold the line. Some church, some group of people needs to be bold enough to say, we wanna do something that will impact a whole region and will impact a cultural climate of an entire country. We need to hold the line. So what would this look like? We don't know for sure at this point, but let me give you four possibilities. And again, this is not etched in stone, this is not a we're for sure doing this. This is more we wanted to give you kind of an unplugged version of what we're thinking for the future. And I put these four categories into three headings, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's the first part, it's Jerusalem. We will consider putting a campus in downtown Minneapolis and St. Paul. Now why would we do this? Minneapolis proper, so not including suburbs, has a population of 422,000 people. If you drive through downtown right now, you're gonna see condos and apartments, new construction everywhere. People are moving back to the city. I was talking to a friend of mine recently and he had a coworker. This coworker is 30 years old, lives downtown, doesn't own a car. And so he invites him to go to church and the coworker said, well, you know, I, I can't drive there, I'll just walk to a church close to my house. And so he walks over to this church and he got done and he said, you know what? The language was so religious. He said, I, I really honestly, I couldn't understand what they were talking about. So my friend the next weekend drove out to his apartment, picked him up, drove him back to our Blaine campus, and afterwards he said, so what'd you think? And he said, it felt like God was speaking right to me. And so we believe that part of what God may want to do is for us to put a campus in the city. It's where the largest population of people are in our state. Now, we've always hesitated to do this in the past. I know you've had some hesitation around this. Because I tell hunting stories, and they like to sit... Lattes, I mean, it's like, <laughs> but seriously, I mean. I can't I, wait, if we did a Minneapolis campus, first time you told a hunting story with a picture. Yeah. Oh boy, I mean, it's over. Get Pete on speed dial, because exactly. they are going to be 
Bring them on, baby. Yeah, they're going to go after you. But <laughs> we've always hesitated on this in the past because we don't know a ton about how to do ministry in the city. We've always kind of been in the suburbs. So we'd have to listen to people. We'd have to learn a lot from people who know more than we do. But Jesus says, to whom much is given, much is required. And our church has been given so much. Here's the Judea and Samaria, mid-sized cities. So there are three cities in the state of Minnesota that have a population of over 60,000. They are Rochester, Duluth, and St. Cloud. And Bob, you've talked about Rochester before. Why don't you just say a few words? Yeah, Rochester has been on my heart for 15 years. I've been talking about it every now and then. It's a city of over 100,000 people. It has this huge professional side to it. A lot of medicine, of course, and then there's a blue-collar side to it. But then people all over the world just come, and they'll spend weeks in Rochester with a, you know, with a concern. But I just think Rochester is a city uh, that doesn't have a church like ours. Yeah. And what an opportunity uh, to reach people there. Yeah, and I've talked about this before, but about five years ago. Yeah, yeah go ahead. <laughs> you know, about five years ago, I had this moment where I asked God, God, what do you want me to accomplish with my life? And there were some personal goals in there and some things for my family, but really there was two cities that God had put on my heart. One of them was Wyzetta, the west suburbs, and the other one was Duluth, of what would it look like to have a church, a campus of Eagle Brook and Duluth. And there's great churches, by the way, in all of these cities. There really is. But the majority of people in those three cities do not currently attend church. And so there's room for more people to come to, to faith in Christ. And over the next 10 years or so, we will start to look at putting Eagle Brook campuses in cities like these. Here's the next one under Judea and Samaria. It's a network of small town churches. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but several years ago, there was a group in Wyndham, Minnesota, west, way out west someplace, I think. It's about a town of 4,400 people. And a group there said, you know what? We want to reach Wyndham for Christ. And so they rented out the American Legion and they started to show Eagle Brook messages, worship and teaching. And it started to grow. And it got to the point where they had to find a new facility and this past Easter, they had 250 people attend. Here's a picture from last weekend. This is people in Wyndham, Minnesota. They're watching the Eagle Brook message and this is how many people are gathered in that town. And they're watching right now. So Wyndham, yeah. welcome. Yeah. yeah, welcome to those yeah. in Wyndham. And we started to say, God, are you trying to get our attention? With online church, we can do something like Wyndham, no expense to us. We simply just broadcast our services to them and try to help them and give them as many resources as we can. And if you think about being in a small town, around the Midwest region, you don't have a whole lot of choices when it comes to church. Some towns have no churches. Some towns have one church. If you live in a small town and you say, you know what, I have a heart to reach this place for Christ, would you consider starting an Eagle Brook campus in your living room or in some you know, building in town? Because we believe that this could be something we would look at doing more in the future. Here's the final one. This is to the ends of the earth. This is online church. Now, online church was never designed for people who live five minutes from an Eagle Brook campus to say, you know what, let's just watch online. That, that wasn't why we created it. Now, I understand people go through seasons like that. Uh, my wife and I, we recently just had our fifth kid, and when I'm speaking, my wife's on her own. 
I mean, she's got to get all the five kids to church. And so just having had a baby, she said, we're going to be watching church online for a little while. But that was never why we created online church. There's something about when you get in a crowd of people. Bob, you've talked about this before. Yeah, I mean, those of us who are at a campus today, there's something that happens. God will show up when a group of people get together and he'll speak through a song or a prayer or even something that you or I say, Jason, amazingly. But there, it's different than when it's just one and one or you're in a room watching a computer, you're just alone. Uh, God shows up in a crowd so often in ways that he doesn't uh, typically when it's just myself watching a computer. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, online is, is kind of, we, we need to have online, but that's not the end all. Yeah, and that's not necessarily the reason why we create. We understand people use it that way at times. But here's why we created Online Church. We got an email several months ago from a soldier stationed in Kuwait. And he said, this is my church. And he gets into his little bunk and he brings up his laptop and he connects to Eagle Brook services and he watches the music and worships and he listens to the message and that's his church. I wanna show you this map. It's a map of in the last month where people have tuned into Eagle Brook services online. And you see obviously a lot here in North America but there's some in South America, there's quite a few in Europe, there's some in Africa, Asia, got one down by you there, Bob. We got to get to know this person in New Zealand. <laughs> Some of the best red stag hunting in the world yeah. right there. So we got to find out who that is. So you're opening up your home, yeah. whoever that is. I think Bob's coming to stay with you. But. but you just see this and you see what an impact. And because of online, we now can go to the ends of the earth simply through the internet. It's amazing the technology that God has given us to accomplish this verse, to go to the ends of the earth we will continue to invest in our online experience. Now, as you hear this vision, as we heard this vision, there was two things that stuck out to us. The first one is, it seems big and outlandish. But then we said, God is able. There's nothing that's impossible to God. And if not us, who else? Why not? Why not be the group of people who stands up and says, hold the line. We wanna try to meet, reach the Midwest for Christ. And the second thing that we said was that this would be a huge shift to go from thinking of ourselves as a Twin Cities church to a Midwest church. And that will take a lot of faith, a lot of prayer. It will take a lot of hard work, great people, and God's favor. But today I'm excited to announce to you that this vision has already begun. You see, several years ago, a group of business leaders and a pastor from Rochester approached us. And they said, would you ever consider putting an Eaglebrook campus in Rochester? And I think our first answer was no. Yeah. We said, no, I, I don't think we're, that's not us, that's not what we're gonna do. But then we stepped back and we said, you know, don't say no right away. What if God is behind this? If our mission is to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, then Rochester is a perfect place to start. There was just an article last month, I don't know if you saw this, in the Star Tribune, and it was about Airbnbs in Rochester. It's booming. You, you can hardly get a, a place to stay in Rochester because so many people are coming to the Mayo Clinic from all around the world. And they're coming there for medical care and they're staying for months and years at a time. The ends of the earth are coming to Rochester, Minnesota. You don't even have to go to them. And we started to think, what if we put a campus in Rochester? And someone from a different country ended up attending that campus. And they met Jesus Christ. And then they went back to their country and tried to reach 
those people for Christ, think about the impact that God could make. Not only that, but for the last several months, there's been a group of about 50 to 100 people meeting at the Rochester Civic Center. Here's a picture I think we have of the Rochester Civic Center. It's empty, but this is what this building looks like. It's beautiful. There's been 50 to 100 people meeting in that room, and they watch the Eagle Brook worship, and they participate just like we do, and they listen to the message. And so we took a step back and we said, God, we think you're doing something here. And just so you know, we were so hesitant about this. This has been two years of internal discussion and prayer. But we got to the point where we said, God, we really believe you are doing something in Rochester and we just want to be a part of it. And so I'm excited to announce to you today that this October, we are launching our ninth campus in Rochester at the Mayo Civic Center. Could not be more excited about that. We are so excited. This is such a great facility that financially it's a lower risk move because we could just stay in this facility as long as we you know, potentially would need to. But friends, here's what it's always been about. There are single parents in Rochester who will come to this campus and they will find the community that they need. There are addicts in Rochester who will get sober and free. They will experience the freedom of Jesus Christ at this campus. There are people in Rochester who gave up on church because of a bad experience they had growing up. And they will give church another chance. And they'll meet God and their life will get turned around. I was just thinking about this week of people who don't know Christ. And I thought the love that they're missing out on. The purpose and the protection and the grace and the forgiveness and they could have that for all of eternity. And if we really believe that, friends, we have to do whatever it takes to reach as many people as we can in the time that God gives us on this planet. Because that's how much it matters. And so we're going to have some more details about this in the coming weeks. But we just want to show you a video of how this whole Rochester thing came about. Our executive pastor, Tyler Gregory, and Gary Pishka, who's our director of operations, recently went down to Rochester to break the news to these four businessmen and this pastor that we are opening in October. Take a look. Rochester is a city of just over 100,000 people. There are a lot of things about Rochester that make it special. It has, of course, the Mayo Clinic, and in excess of a million people visiting each year to this small town in southeastern Minnesota. It's a big city, but it's a small city. It's uh, great opportunities everywhere, but at the same time, it's a place where you get to be known. It's got its own flavor, for sure. We have nice schools, nice community, great business environment, and for us, it's been a great place to raise our kids. So, a couple years ago, a few of you wrote a letter to us, out of the blue. And it said, what if we put an Eagle Brook campus down in Rochester? Why did you write that letter? So a few years ago, a church in Rochester undertook a pretty significant study of the faith culture in Rochester. The study determined or ascertained that approximately 25% of the Rochester community attended church regularly. 
75% did not. Something was missing, and we sensed that. While there was 91 churches at that time in Rochester doing a good job, a different approach needed to be introduced to try to reach that 75%. So we just wrote a simple one-page letter and it was weeks after this letter was sent that we were actually meeting with you all face-to-face -face here in Rochester. What is it about how Eagle Brook does church that resonates or that you feel would make such an impact in the area? I think in the letter you said tremendous impact. You know when you experience something that's really cool and it's causing your own heart to change and grow, we want to share that with people. And I think that's a safe place to invite somebody who doesn't know the Lord. You know they're going to come, they're going to experience people worshiping and it's powerful, it's impactful. And that's what we're about, right? the come and see. For me, having a 20-year-old and understanding my son's culture is the message that they're hearing is relevant for today. Every week you can walk away with something. It's touching, it's healing, it's motivating, whatever it is, but it's relevant. You guys along the way have started this thing called Rochester Live. Uh, tell us what that's all about. There are a number of people in Rochester and in the Rochester area who are tuning in each week and watching Eagle Brook online. But missing from that, of course, is the community. So we started Rochester Live for that exact purpose. It started with just a few families in my basement, and we quickly outgrew that and began renting a facility at the Mayo Civic Center. People come together over at the Civic Center, the room is rented, and a lot of people arrive early and because they want to do what Rogers described, have community. And then, you know, the service starts and we worship like we're there. We sing, we listen to the message, and at the end we pray, someone leads us in prayer. And then afterwards, we start to disperse, but a lot of connections have been made. Tell us what it would mean to actually have a campus in Rochester. Each of us have been to Eagle Road campuses a number of times, and so have many others who attend Rochester Live. I know I can speak for this group and others that we gotta have this here. I have this text that Dan sent us nearly two years ago, and I brought it just as a reference point. It's a photograph he took when he was attending a, a Woodbury service. And he sent a test with a message that said, can you imagine this in a few years? Keep praying. And so when I say this, he was, he was pointing this picture of the service and all the people that were there. And I think that's a reminder of what this is about. And you reminded us of that when you sent us this text. So I've held on to it ever since, uh, ever since that time. Well, it truly has been a pleasure for Gary and I and others to get to know you guys over the last couple years and talk about this dream. I just want to thank you for your heart. This is not about you. This is about reaching the city of Rochester for Christ and giving them hope, restoring relationships, restoring marriages, restoring their kids. And we know that the only hope is Jesus Christ. And I am really excited to tell you guys that we are officially coming to Rochester. Yes! <laughs> Thank you. We are coming this fall in October. And so we have a date, and we just wanted to be the first to tell you that. And we're, we're just gonna continue to do our mission, which is empowered by God to reach others for Christ. And this is gonna be the first time that we're able to do it outside of the Twin Cities. 
And so this is really exciting for us as a church too. Thank you, we are, this is answered yeah. prayer. Yeah. Answered prayer, we just can't wait to watch God show off in southeastern Minnesota. Wow. Yeah. It's just incredible how things have worked out. Hearing this news, it's, it's almost surreal to me. Um, and we mentioned the opportunity, how great it is with the people who aren't going to church. And that's big, but I just come back. For me, it's these young people. I just think we have such an opportunity in this community to reach them. So for this to be announced today officially like this, in a word, it's extraordinary. I think the news of Eagle Brook coming to Rochester, it's a big deal. And Rochester won't be the same. So we're excited. Very excited about the news. It tells me, it tells us, God loves the people of Rochester. He loves the 75% who don't know him, but do need him. And it's humbling to be a part of that. It's exciting as well. So thank you. The nickname for Rochester is the Med City. And the reason it's called that is it brings healing. And that's our cry. That's what we want to see happen in Rochester. Is we want to see healing, but we want to see spiritual healing. These are friends. These are people we don't know who uh, need hope and uh, they need a future. There's so many people who don't know how much they are loved. And to watch this unfold is beyond anything we could imagine and how quickly God has worked in this way. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, we can't wait to get you down here. You know, sometimes we get a little criticism that all you want to be is big. And I, it's never been about that. We don't even like big. You don't, I don't, we're both introverts. We don't even like big. We, we, there's something in our spirit that just resists all of this. But we do it because of the verse you quoted a little bit earlier, Jason, to whom much is given, much is required. Was the words of Jesus. And for whatever reason, he has given us much. And I take that very seriously. God has entrusted this church, and it's, it's almost a mandate to share it. Let others in on what you and I have, right? And that's what it's always been about. And we don't know if this will succeed. We don't know if Rochester will, uh, will take off and, and be a thriving church. It could fail. And it's always hard. It's always a risk but we feel God leading us by his spirit. How, how, does, how are we gonna do it? It's not by our might. It's not by our power. I mean, I, I feel so weak at times. One of my prayers as I come to church every, every weekend is God in my weakness, make me strong. It's not our power, but it's by his spirit. Says the Lord, and I love this, the Lord Almighty, He is Almighty. So that's how we're going to do it. And, and by the way, maybe you came to church today and you didn't need to hear a vision statement. You're kind of hurting yourself. And I just want to 
remind you, it's not by your might or by your power that you can overcome whatever you're dealing with in your life, whatever fear or brokenness. But it's by God's Spirit who is willing and ready to meet you wherever you're at today. So if you need prayer at all of our campuses, come forward and we'll pray with you. Online, our campus pastor, Tim, will pray with you. But I'd just like us all to stand at our campuses and we'll close out and uh, be on our way today. <coughs> We're such a great church. And I speak for Jason and I say, we, we love you guys and couldn't do it without you. So, God, thank you for what you've chosen to do through us. It's not by our might. It's by your spirit. We know that. So God, just continue to pour out your spirit on, on our church. And we will try to be obedient to follow you. I pray for Wyndham. I pray now for Rochester as they are already meeting. And God, I just pray that you will do a shockingly phenomenal work in Rochester. And we'll remember this moment two, three years, four years down the road and say, look what God has done. So Lord, thank you. And now minister to those who really need it today. Bring your healing and your, your hope to every person here standing, including me. We need it every day. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great weekend. God bless all of you.